Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for joining us on one of the radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website. We appreciate you being with us. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about the office market, the office sector, the fundamentals, uh, an update, a forecast. What do we expect to move uh, moving forward? And if your company uses office space, or you are a real estate investor, or you work with those who use office space or invest in space, then you want to hear this show. Please welcome Welcome, my first guest is Jim Costello. He's Senior Vice President with RC Analytics, joining us on Skype. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me here. Well, Jim, so you guys do a great job of tracking uh, investment sales for, for all property types. And I think people are kind of curious about uh, office investment sales. Uh, seems to be uh, a little bit of flux in the marketplace. What are you guys seeing? Yeah, we're just in the middle of releasing our first quarter figures here today. Uh, Deal volume for the office sector fell 12% on a year-over-year basis in the first quarter. It's got a lot of folks worried. And we've had a steady downbeat of uh, falling volume on a year-over-year basis uh, for more than a year now. And uh, a lot of folks look at that and they think, hey, deal volume's falling, so prices are the next thing to fall, just like in 08, 09. But even though they see that uh, and think that that might happen, uh, prices have been sticky. We haven't seen a, a big decline yet. And one of the lessons from that is every cycle has some things that rhyme, but there's different drivers every time. So you can't always use the past as a perfect uh, predictor of the future. So how sticky are the prices? And cap rates, you know, even after the election, after the election, interest rates moved up. And cap rates have largely held constant. Uh, in uh, CBD offices and the six major metros, these are the areas that have been getting so much attention from global investors. You're still down in uh, the 5%, you know, but just around 5%. Uh, really, there's only one area that's shown any kind of adjustment in cap rates. That's uh, suburban assets within the six major markets of the United States. And that's going to be your Boston, uh, New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco, Chicago. But I think that upward creep is, and it's on the order of around 50 basis points since the election. You know, since it only happened in one subtype, I don't think it has anything to do with the locations and the asset classes. So suburban, rather, so suburban cap rates are doing what? They're going up or down 50 basis points? Uh, they've gone up. Gone up. It's, okay. it, it's you know, the increase there is not really about the, the interest rate environment. It's uh, an issue of the types of things that are selling. I see. Uh, if you're in those locations and you have some uh, strength again in the leasing market after it had been uh, weak for a while, uh, when uh, early in this recovery, all the demand was in the uh, was in the CBDs, and if you've got some leasing going on again and you've got a great asset in that location, why sell now if you don't have to? And I think there's an adverse selection issue in terms of what's coming to the market at the moment that's driving up cap rates in just those suburban areas. Other suburban areas aren't seeing that. Outside of those six major metros, cap rates for suburban assets are you know, flat to uh, uh, decreasing. I see. Yeah, don't sell if, if you, have, you hate to ever have to sell, right? Right, but right. Some people are thinking maybe you take a few chips off the table right now because we're in an environment that you expect uh, interest rates to rise. So what do you expect moving forward for interest rates and cap rates? Well, interest rates have gone up. 
And the, the question that a lot of folks are struggling with is how much more will they go up? You know, there's a lot of uncertainty out there on uh, fiscal policy, monetary policy, and regulatory policy. That combination, I think, is also impacting deal volume. You know, it's, it's hard to uh, place capital. It's hard to make a decision when you don't know what the rules of the game are going to be. And I think that's weighing on investors as well. Uh, but you know, as you know, if interest rates do go up a bit more, uh, you know, the first hundred basis points of increase in cap rates uh, of interest rates, we thought that the spread between cap rates and interest rates would absorb that. If you really start to go beyond that point, I think cap rates will have to go up a bit more. But that doesn't mean that it's a one-to-one -one movement. You know, that that spread between them is never a constant. You know, that spread embeds a whole set of expectations on growth in the economy, expectations on risk tolerance for, on the part of investors. Uh, if we do see further interest rate increases, uh, it's coming about not just because you know, the Fed is raising rates and because that interest rates go up. If they really do go up, it's going to be because there's growth in the economy, there's investment, there's competition for capital. And that, in turn, will make the income streams from the tenants and office buildings look more secure to investors. So as interest rates go up, you won't have a one-to-one -one interest uh, increase in, in cap rates. I don't know precisely how much, but it's something that, you know, as interest rates go up, I wouldn't expect the same kind of increase in cap rates. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, but I guess because buyers are always beating on brokers when they don't like our list prices. But yeah, you know, we're we're certainly already hearing how hey, our cost of capital is going up. Uh, if we accept this, uh, we're we're hoping for the same yield, so we're going to have to adjust our prices. So be interesting to see what what happens moving forward. But you know, from what I'm hearing, we're going to see what two, maybe three rate hikes each year for the next couple years, and so. You know, I think it's interesting to see, well, if you're thinking about taking some chips off the table today um, and you think you can absorb a 100 basis points uh, rate increase, was that from when rates started rising or from today? Uh, from when rates started rising. So, you know, we've already got, uh, well, it depends on what day it is, whether the market is optimistic or pessimistic. Uh, in the last couple of days, we've seen a fall in the 10-year Treasury. It easily go back the other direction, but you know, on average, we had seen sort of a max move so far of around 90 basis points for the 10-year Treasury. Uh, you know, if it goes further, then you know that might start eating into cap rates, unless those sellers continue to be sticky. I mean, you noted that buyers are coming to you and saying, "Hey, you know, I need an adjustment because you know my cost of capital is changing and my return expectations." Uh, sellers, if they don't have to sell, why should they? If, if they're stuck in a situation where they've got uh, a cash flowing asset that's given them a good return, if, if someone's not going to meet their price expectations, I, I think really, uh, why, why should they move? And that, that's where I think the real challenge is going to be moving ahead. I'm not sure that cap rates will bear the price of adjustment to higher interest rates. I think deal volume will. I think it's just going to be a harder market to bring buyers and sellers together right now. Yeah, especially if the fundamentals keep 
keep improving and the outlook for jobs is strong. We're talking with Jim Costello, Senior VP with RC Analytics about the investment market and we're talking about the office market in particular today. So so Jim, you guys study the numbers. Where are the opportunities? Are the opportunities in MB, uh, suburban? Are the opportunities in maybe some smaller markets? Where Where should people look today? You know, the, the thing that we've seen in the last year uh, in terms of where people have been chasing opportunities is uh, trying to move a little bit away from the highly priced uh, six major markets, especially the CBD locations. You know, those areas are hyper competitive. Prices have been driven to record highs, uh, uh, so much so that you know, new construction has been justifiable in, in some cases. Uh, where deal volume has been uh, stronger, it has been more in the secondary markets. Um, the thing I, I've been surprised by, I figured, you know, if, you, if you're hungry for yield, if you want to take on a little bit more return, you got to take on some risk. And there's two ways you could do that. You could take investment style, a type of risk, moving from more core assets to more value add and opportunistic, or move out on that geography continuum. So far, it seems like investors, in terms of where the deal volume has been, it's been more focused on just buying core assets in secondary markets. It's been much less so in uh, the last 12 months looking at more value-add and opportunistic uh, type uh, uh, investments. That just hasn't grown uh, the same degree as uh, 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 moving out on the geography risk spectrum. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Our headquarters is in Atlanta. and. Uh, there sure is strong demand in Atlanta, and I guess we're considered one of those second-tier markets, I guess, and uh, we're having strong growth in our rent, so we're having strong growth in our values. So, Jim, uh, we appreciate your time and your, uh, and your insight. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. If you'd like more information from Jim and RC Analytics, we'll have their website at CREshow.com. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the fundamentals and some other strategies for leasing space in the U.S. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, Atlanta's premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the U.S. office market. This segment is brought to you by Valuate Online Investment Analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. Well, my guest is Walter Page. He's with CoStar. And he's Director of Research for the Office Division. Walter, thanks for being with us on the phone today. Thank you. So how has the U.S. office market performed in the first quarter and uh, maybe uh, the end of the year, Walter? So while the office market has never had more occupied space at record rent levels, 
we're clearly seeing signs of a slowing market. For example, on the national basis, the office vacancy rate rose one-tenth percent to 10.3 percent the first time this has happened since 2011 on a quarterly basis. Hmm. So that's an indication. Um, part of the reason why vacancy rose is we had 22 million square feet of completions this quarter, which is a 50% increase over what we had a year earlier, and we only had 12 million square feet of net absorption or 10 million square feet more completions than net absorption. It's obviously a recipe for rising vacancy rates. Um, fortunately, we think that the office absorption rates will continue to remain fairly solid at about 75 million square feet a year. But, again, I think this is going to be a slowing from 85 million uh, square foot mark that we're running at currently and over 100 million square feet uh, annual rate that we ran in 2015. As all of this slowing is happening, it's also impacting rent growth. Rent growth is half today what it was back in 2015. Today's rent level rent growth on a year-over-year basis is 2.3%. So clearly, signs of a maturing uh, office market. And Walter, if uh, a lot of this decrease uh, in occupancy of this small one-tenth percent is from new supply, so is that mainly impacting a uh, sector, or the, what do you guys call it, the five-star sector? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, obviously, people build nice new space, and it is impacting um, the A space more than it is impacting the other. But the demand for the A space or four- and five-star space is double the demand for the lesser quality space. So the demand for the A space is running at a 2.1% growth rate right now. That's half the 1.1% growth rate for the B space. And, and what is so interesting is during the last point in the economic cycle, like back in 2006, Seven, the A space and the B space demand was virtually the same. So t today, that flight to quality is significant, uh, and it's, it's, it's making more of a level playing field between the quality types. Uh, in terms of rent growth by quality, they're basically the same because there's substitution between uh, the various uh, classes of, of property. Well, it's interesting that uh, you're seeing more demand uh, this time around for A uh, than you did in the past. I wonder if uh, the flight to quality is because the employment's improved and a lot of these companies are concerned with uh, recruiting and retention. I think if you're going to put people into um, smaller spaces per employee, and, and we've seen uh, you know about a 25%, 20 25% reduction in space per employee, you, you better put them into nicer space <laughs> right. if you want to retain them. Right. Um, and, and given that the unemployment rate for college-educated uh, workers, many of our office workers, is you know, near 2%, uh, this is one other reason why uh, tenants are really going for nice space. Yeah, if you're going to put me in a closet, it better be a real nice one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so what about market areas, Walter? Are, there, are the uh, big cities really uh, having the most growth? What do you see? We're seeing a leveling of the playing field between the, the markets right now. It, it's, it's very interesting. When this recovery started, the recovery was focused on the, the, what we would call the coastal big CBDs like San Francisco, Seattle, Boston, New York, Los Angeles, even D.C. 
those places had uh, outsized rent gains at the beginning and pretty good demand growth. But because they've had outsized rent growth, and in particular San Francisco was the, the poster child, they had outsized levels of new construction, which is capping the rent growth out of those markets and actually causing uh, many other markets in the, in the country basically to perform more at a similar level. So the question becomes to investors, if I'm going to get the same rent growth out of San Francisco as I'm going to get out of Atlanta or Denver, why am I going to pay a 1% lower cap rate or you know, maybe even lower cap rate in San Francisco than I would pay in, in uh, a less uh, sought-after market? Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, but you think at some point San Francisco is going to to run out of places to put these buildings? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, well, maybe, but they have a lot of construction going on right now. They have eight million square feet going underway today, wow. which is um, a new new high. Right. Well, Walter, what about uh, performance moving forward? What do you expect to see? It seems like people are thinking what well, the things Trump is saying he's going to do. You know, cut. Uh, corporate taxes and personal taxes and uh, repatriation and, you know, that, that maybe the job market will do well, the office market should do well. What do you guys expect? Well, it's actually going to be hard for the job market to do exceptionally well. And the reason it's going to be hard is demographics. Uh, the retiring of the baby boomers is going to cause the level of working age population growth entering the workforce to fall significantly between now and 2022 and fall basically in half. And it's already fallen, by the way, in half from where it was in the year 2000. And there's a really high correlation of population growth in working age people to job growth and GDP growth. So it's going to be hard for that to happen. And what we think is going to happen for the office market is net absorption for office space totaled Oh, just over 100 million in 2015. It's going to be less than 50 million, or half that number wow. by 2021. So uh, clearly a slowing. We're already seeing in in the numbers that we're seeing. Um, and so you know that's okay if the construction activity remains steady, and mm -hmm. and that's sort of where we're expecting things to be. But if we have a recession or anything else along the way, that that's when it gets concerning. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If we uh, build, overbuild, we're always getting into trouble. But we're short on the break. What are some markets that uh, are having some trouble, maybe? Well, I'm always concerned about the markets that have a lot of construction activity. Uh, you know, let's, let's top off that list. New York right now has 21 million square feet underway. That is a, a unheard of number on a percentage basis and things like that. Uh, so that would be one of the markets I'm most concerned about because of just the level of um, construction, even though vacancy is very tight in that market. Uh, Washington, D.C. also has about 11 million square feet underway today. Again, I'm a little concerned about that market in particular because it's starting from a high vacancy number. Uh, the technology markets, in particular San Jose, uh, has almost 9 million square feet underway, and San Francisco has 8 million square feet underway. Those are the markets that we are concerned about principally because of the construction activity and they're priced pretty heavily yeah that makes sense and uh well walter thanks for joining us today we appreciate you being on the show great information as usual 
Thank you. If you'd like to hear more from Walter Page with CoStar, visit CoStar.com. They track the entire country, and they track all property types, and they do a great job with it. And stay with us. We're going to have more on office market, including some tips for occupiers. If you run a business, you surely want to stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Build-Out, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit BuildOut.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Visit BullRealty.com. Please welcome my next guest is John Boyd. He's a principal with the Boyd Company. John, thanks for joining us here in Studio One. Thanks for having me, Michael. So you guys help with corporate relocations for companies all over the country. So I'm curious, you know, what are some of the, the trends you're seeing on, on location decisions today? Well, in the office market, we're seeing a, a trend. Uh, uh, companies are decentralizing away from the major financial capitals. Uh, companies like J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Bank of America, uh, Ernst & Young are taking employees out of expensive markets like Chicago and New York City and Boston for secondary, tertiary, less costly markets like Jacksonville, Palm Beach County, uh, Atlanta, and Charlotte. And why are they doing that? There's a number of reasons. Uh, companies are learning to do more with less. Uh, we're seeing automa automation obviously be a, a big trend in the financial services sector. Uh, but the reality is companies want the, the panache of a Manhattan address. Mm -hmm. uh, but they want to do as little work there as possible. They want their brick and mortar presence in, in, in uh, Manhattan and their labor force in Manhattan uh, to be as small as possible. The reality is in Jacksonville or Palm Beach County, uh, financial services workers are going to get paid 20% less than they would uh, in Manhattan. And there's also an ability for companies to transfer their key executives to these lower cost markets because these are very desirable places to live. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's zero personal income tax in, in, in Florida, which has yeah. made, made Jacksonville and Palm Beach County both very attractive markets for financial services operations. And John, what would you say to companies and listeners and viewers out there that maybe have something to do with the government and the cities where they're located in the states? What should they not do or what should do to, to attract these big companies? Sure. Well, well, well two things come to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, the first are religious freedom bills, which are job-killing pieces of legislation. Economic development is challenging enough in 2017. We call it the second war between the states. <laughs> so the last thing lawmakers should be doing is making it even more difficult for economic development professionals to do their jobs and attract industry. Uh, if you look at HB2, the fallout associated with the, the bathroom bill mm -hmm. uh, in, in North Carolina, uh, above and beyond North Carolina losing the NCAA, they also lost a number of high-profile banking projects uh, because mm -hmm. of that uh, religious freedom bill. And we see other legislation on the horizon. Uh, Texas and Alabama are set to adopt similar religious freedom bills this legislative year, uh, which we expect to dominate the news cycle. And that's good news for pro-business, low-cost states like Georgia, for example, and Florida, that wisely have avoided 
getting involved in these uh, job-killing religious freedom bills. Yeah. What are some of the trends you see, John, that uh, some of these corporate users are in utilizing today to grow their firms and be more profitable and attract the right employees? Well, this truly is a global economy. And, and the battle for market share for companies is millennials, but it's also the battle for talent. Companies are doing a number of creative things to really attract uh, the best people. Mm -hmm. And another area here is, you know, the, the collaboration between the, the private sector, the academic sector, and the public sector. There's a common denominator among growth markets today, and these are markets that encourage new mixed-use developments. That is, that are places where millennials want to live. Uh, and that, of course, uh, really helps the labor market uh, supply the, the workforce with, with the types of uh, workers necessary. And I guess that's important, especially in some of these second-tier cities where maybe it's less expensive to, to bring your company, but they're not the downtown New York or San Francisco's. You don't have that walkability. So I guess the mixed-use development can be a way to, to incorporate that in, in, in almost any market. Absolutely. Our firm yeah. has, has been very active in Las Vegas over the years. Mm -hmm. We provide development counsel to the Howard Hughes Corporation, uh, which uh, owns Summerlin in Las Vegas' Western Valley, the largest plant community in North America, home to a number of very uh, successful back office operations, Bank of America, Williams-Sonoma, uh, both have presences there. A number of, of, of neat mixed-use projects are coming on stream this year. In Palm Beach County, you have Westlake, which is being developed by Minto Communities. They're based in Ottawa. Uh, that's going to be an exciting uh, 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 project. Mm -hmm. Here in Atlanta, there's some interesting projects coming on screen, too, uh, in the Midtown Corridor that, uh, again, will provide uh, millennial-friendly housing that, that helps uh, economic development officials attract new industry. Yeah. What tip would you leave our listeners and viewers with, uh, John, related to their corporate space? And, you know, you deal with, with large companies that need a lot of large space. So, you know, like how, how soon, how much in advance should they get out and start thinking about this? Well, well, well right now. I mean, yeah. uh, there, there are a number of projects happening. Reshoring is the big narrative. Mm -hmm. Obviously, reshoring is the dominant theme in industrial site selection. But reshoring also applies to banking and financial services. Any industry that's regulated by the federal government is now thinking about reshoring jobs, white-collar jobs, uh, back to America. Uh, and another interesting caveat here is all of the uh, vacant retail space. Mm -hmm. I talked about the need for incentives to promote mixed-use development, but also repurposing incentives to translate and help repurpose a lot of vacant retail space into a Class B space that could accommodate a call center or a customer service center the types of projects that, that we see out there right now. Yeah, that'd be a great use for some of those big boxes if you can cut them up, open them up, right, and create some light and an environment that works for that. Right. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you coming down to Studio One. Thank you. And stay with us. We'll have more on the U.S. office market, including some strategies for your space design. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Hi, this is Michael Ball. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential terms because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the office market. This uh, segment is brought to you by Excelligent, building data everywhere. Visit Excelligent.com. And please welcome my next guest. It's Bill Halter. Bill is principal with the architectural firm Cooper Carey. Bill, thanks for being with us in Studio One. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, we appreciate you being here. And I'd like to talk about kind of the occupier, the, the user strategies today, because, you know, they make the world go around, right? Exactly. And I think occupiers of space, you know, just like us Bull Realty at our firm in our space, you know, we want a space that uh, is, is well located. You know, we want our employees to be happy and right. we want to recruit and retain. So as you, got, you guys are helping big companies like State Farm and, and others with their space, you know, what are some of the trends that you're seeing that that are important to these occupiers of space? And if you will, you know, start with kind of locations. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, the, the real key is location right mm -hmm. now. We really try to talk to our clients early in the process so that they um, can at least tell us a little bit about the kind of things they're looking for. And we, we pretty quickly try to zero in on the site location uh, and how it's going to benefit them. Uh, it used to be uh, people were willing to drive anywhere and, and sort of use their car to get to and from work. And nowadays we find that, that with the type of employee that most people are recruiting, they expect to be near things like transit, uh, walkable streets, uh, other things that uh, make the full city mix, such as multifamily, hospitality, a good mix of food and beverage on the street. So uh, we try to make sure that conversation's taken place. Unfortunately, a lot of times our clients pretty much have a site chosen, though they've kind of done that themselves. And quite honestly, most, most clients know these things already. We don't have to talk a lot about it. Uh, but if we have that chance, we always try to make sure we, we speak to that issue. And I guess you're seeing a large push still to the uh, central business district, the urban environments. We see that, but interestingly, we're also seeing what we call densification of suburbia, uh, urbanization of suburbia. Uh, there are so many sites that are near transit, that are near good highway access that uh, have uh, the good bones for those kind of uh, further development. And so we're seeing a site which at one point was a, a parking lot is now becoming uh, an office building or a multifamily building. So it's not just the city centers. Uh, it's really, I, I would say, if there's one com common element of these, it's, it's going to be the transit component. Yeah, yeah. I think another thing that's real important to business owners that, that we help and, and to our companies is wellness. So are you seeing any more of a push for companies to make sure they have wellness built into their space? We are. Mm -hmm. uh, we think that uh, the very fact that you're moving into an area that's walkable uh, near where people can live and play immediately sets up the opportunity to walk to work, uh, bike to work. So that's very much a wellness thing. Um, the types of spaces we create now, the days of the, of the lobby you walk into and you see the guard sitting straight in front of you are gone. We, we, we treat lobbies much differently today. They're much more about combining uh, food and beverage, uh, healthy food choices into that lobby and creating a more relaxed setting. Uh, you still have security issues, but we tend to handle that a little bit more discreetly. And then I think uh, being able to have access either at the street level or even up in a roof terrace environment to green space so people can walk outside and get, get some fresh air has become a big deal. Yeah. What do you see in related to square footage per employee? Because I know we've seen a big push and I know a lot of our uh, listeners and viewers have that more people and less yeah. square footage. Right. What are you seeing today and are you seeing any back back? Yeah, we're seeing a densification for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think what we're seeing is that the individual workspaces are getting smaller, workstations mm -hmm. are getting a bit smaller. 
The difference is that uh, the cubicle, the, the, the taller cubicle walls in some cases are going away, so you feel a more of a, a, what we call a benching environment, so you have a sense of openness around your personal space. But the real uh, trade-off to that is uh, that you're getting a lot more what we call third space in those, in those work environments, so you have different choices for how you can work. You might have a soft seating environment. You might have a, a, an area near the, the food kitchen area that you can go you know, hang out in and, and meet people. And the whole idea is that you're really letting people kind of move around during the day. They're not stuck at their desk. And that gets back to your wellness thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it does. And one of the things that we see when we're helping tenants is the mistake they make is starting too late and not really planning. What are some tips for a company that knows they're going to move or need more space? Sure. Uh, You know, a lot of companies think that they don't have time or maybe don't even realize that, that if they invest a bit of time at the front end of their project to really understand what is driving their company and how the, the workspace, which we see as a tool to support the company, can, can better support them. And so we at Cooper Carrier are really trying to help as many people as we can to understand that we can get at that solution much quicker than they may realize. Uh, it requires a very focused discussion with, with leadership, which we know their time is valuable. So we've designed tools that, that can quickly get results and, and try to get be, really check and make sure that, that the space we're designing is, is suiting their need the best it co- possibly can. And I like the way you put that. You said the workspace can be a tool for their business. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what you know, business owners need to understand that you know, don't take this lightly. I know you may do it once every 10 years or five years, but right. uh, it's big, and especially if you see an environment that we're in today where we're getting more employment, we're getting fuller employment, there's going to be more of a push to to recruit the right people, right? That's exactly right. I mean, competition for talent is a big deal. And, uh, you know, and I don't know that I can say it's a generational thing, but I think uh, people realize that if they have a skill set, they'll be in demand. So as, a, as a, an employer, you really got to be careful that you create a space that's competitive with, with your competition. Right, yeah. I had um, one recruit tell me straight up, he said, Michael, love you guys. I'd love to work at your firm. I know I'd do much better there, <laughs> but your office, uh, you know, I'm coming from a Class A office, glass, it's beautiful, a lot of amenities. And I had a Class B kind of freestanding building at the time. He's like, I don't really like it, sorry. <laughs> well, so we, we learned, you know, now yeah. you see where we are, open space. Space, glass, you know, studios. Yeah, it's and, great. Your space looks yeah, great. I'll tell you. Uh, game rooms and coffee shops, and uh, and now when people come in, like, all right, well, I want to work there. Yeah. And that's that's what companies need today, isn't they it? They do. You got to get the, the, the yeah. young people and, and all people really uh, cross generations mm-hmm. excited about it. One thing I'll, I'll tell you is, I think a lot of people believe that with the advent of technology, which has had an incredible impact on our work environment. Uh, the ability to be portable and, and flexible. Uh, we still see a lot of companies, most companies, really think the working in the same building or in the same space, it brings tremendous advantages. Uh, it strengthens brand. It provides a consistent sort of message to the employees. Uh, and I've talked to a lot of people that work off-site a lot of times and then find when that when they come back to the office, uh, they enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, we're still seeing a lot of uh, distrib- distributed work, but but uh, I just I think it's important to realize that there's still a great 
demand for people staying in the same space. And, I, I agree, and, and, I, and it's that nice office space that attracts them. They feel well, they feel happy there. That'll maybe get them to come. And that's in. it. I think you got it. That helps yeah. keep them happy and, yeah. and feeling good about coming to work. Yeah, we used to have three offices, and I had, I would talk to people and. Well, I don't know him, and I don't know her. I'm like, well, they work at your, the same company. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. ever see them. I don't really yeah. know who they are. But now we're all in one big office in a central location, and it's really helped. Yeah. Uh, and I've also heard that people say that the salespeople that work at home make less money than the salespeople work at satellite offices, and they make less money than the salespeople work in the main office where that synergy and that power right. is. Uh, so you got to attract them. Well, what would be a final tip for our listeners and viewers related to their space needs and being productive? I think uh, one size does not fit all. I think if you're looking for new space, a uh, corporate user that's looking to uh, change location, uh, maybe change where your market is from one city to another, take the time to uh, think through how the space can help you uh, as best as it possibly can. Good point. Well put. Thanks for joining us here in no Studio One. And thanks for joining us on the radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Be sure and join us next week. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Excelligent, Building Data Everywhere, Plum Lending, Online Commercial Real Estate Loans, Get Valuate, Online Investment Analysis, Apto, Your Entire Brokerage in the Cloud, Build Out, The Marketing Tool for Your Brokerage, and Barnes Creative Studios, Commercial Real Estate Video Production.